and difficulties obstruct the way. Then a prayer can bring forth miracles. When we pray, we accept the impossible. When we pray, God performs great things. When we pray, miracles happen. The title is Pray Intensively. We have started some weeks ago a series about prayer. And my first question is, do you have an area in your life where you need a miracle? Or is there an area in your life where for many, many years you believed, you prayed, you seek God, but nothing happened? And sometimes we, we, we bury our dreams, we bury our, our prayers because it's sometimes too much to handle, like that God has not answered our prayers. My question is, do you have a prayer request or an area where you need a breakthrough or a miracle from God? I want to start with two amazing stories. Uh, at the moment, the people are saying that the people in Japan, they're the most, most smartest people in terms of math. They're very, very smart and very genius. And some people have the question, is this because they are just growing up so smart or is that the sushi makes them so smart? What is the reason why the Japanese people in terms of math, they're all so smart? Researchers, they made a study uh, about people in Japan and people in the USA. They took two schools with first grades, the same level, the same age, the same education, everything. They gave them... Um, they gave them um, a task to solve, but the task to solve was impossible. They were not able to solve it because it was too hard. The question was not, are they able to solve it? It was more the question, how long will they study? How long they will take until they give up? The people in the USA, after 9.47 minutes, they gave up. They say, we cannot, it's too heavy, it's too difficult. But the people in Japan, after 30 minutes and 93 minutes, they gave up. They were, they studied 40% longer than the people in the USA. That means perseverance, it's the key. Hold on, lean in, not giving up. Another guy in Germany asked the question, why are some people, they are world-class solists, some are good violinists, and some people, they're playing an instrument, they're not even able to live from that. And he was in Berlin, and he asked the professor, let's make a study. Is there a key why certain people are the best of the best, and certain people, they're really not so good? Is there, is there, is there a reason? Is there a key? They chose different people from all over the world, the same age, they're at the same level. They were not one person who was better, the same level, the same age, from different nations. And from the year 8 to 20, the people that were not able to be professional music musicians, they studied for 4,000 hours. The good violinists, they studied for 8,000 hours. But the best of the best, the world-class solists, they studied more than 10,000 hours. And this research proves me perseverance, it's the key. So many times we're living in generation is the fast 
generation, everything goes fast and quick and easy and smooth. But when it comes to prayer, God could answer our prayers fast, easy. It's not a big deal for him. But God is more interested in our heart, in our character, in, in, instead of the results. And perseverance is one of the biggest key if you want to see a breakthrough in your personal life. There was a drought about three and a half years ago, three, about three and a half years in Israel. No rain, nothing happened. And there was a prophet, his name is Elijah. He prayed a bold prayer. It's written in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 43 to 44. And even here, when you look and read this Bible text, there's one small, tiny little detail. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There is nothing here, he said. He looked, there were no rain, no cloud, and nothing. That means praying only once for something, it's not a breakthrough. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. Then the seven times the servant reported, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. Seven times the servant looked, is there rain or is there a cloud? That's the same number like the people of God walked around the walls of Jericho, right? The number six in the Bible means, because every number has a meaning in the Hebrew language, the number six means this is your story. He had, they had to walk around six times with their stories. The servant had to look six times with his own eyes. Is something going on? The number seven means creation. On the seventh days, creation take place. That means a miracle will take place. Here's the same points, the same key in the life of Elijah. Perseverance. Not giving up. Hold in. Lean in. Praying for so long until you see a breakthrough in your life. My question is, I'm traveling a lot and I have a lot of people and a lot of emails and SMS and text messages and whatever. A lot of people say to me, but Pastor Leo, I prayed for six years. I fasted so many times. I believed, I prayed, I proclaimed the word of God. I've done everything right, but why has nothing happened? I don't have the key. I don't have the answer. But the key is perseverance. Don't give up. Lean in. Hold on. If you do what only you can do, then God will do what only he can do. I, I, I've, I've, drawn a, a spe, a, a, I've drawn an illustration for you. I came up uh, the last week with an illustration. Because when you're following Jesus Christ, you are hugging Jesus. Like me and Jesus, you're like a close relationship, right? But sometimes a problem tries to sneak in or doubts is sneaking in or life experience starts to sneak in a little bit because you're praying and, and the miracles are not taking place immediately and all of a sudden your thoughts starting to create some problems. When you're giving, if you start to feed the problems, the feed sneaking in until the problem is between you and Jesus. And what the problem is doing, it tries to push you as far away from Jesus as possible. This is what the problem is doing. But it should be the opposite. Sometimes we hawking our problems. It's also not smart to do that. But if you're hawking a problem and, and you're attending a church or you're reading the Bible or you're worshiping to Jesus, then it's important that Jesus starts to sneak in a little bit. 
And he's starting to proclaim Jesus, Jesus, you are my master, you're my healer, you can do anything. You know what's happened? It comes straight between you and your problems. And Jesus pushed the problems so far away that the problems is not your best friend anymore. And this is exactly the picture what is important for us. Either I feed my thoughts, my doubts, my problems, my, my life circumstances, and I'm saying the word, it's impossible. Or I say, there is a Jesus. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the shepherd. He has the first and the last word. I start to proclaim Jesus. I start to believe Jesus. I stand on the word of Jesus. And all of a sudden, not the problem is in me anymore. Jesus is ruling and serving my life forever. That's the picture of perseverance. Jesus is in me and pushes the problem so away that I know the miracle will take place in my life. Now, Susanna, it's your turn. I'm looking forward for your message. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, perseverance is the word that is over our situations where we, from our perspective, just feel silence, just feel that God does not speak, does not move, does not answer our prayers. And I like to compare these situations where we feel just emptiness with the three dots in a sentence. These three little small dots, they can... Um, say something without saying anything. And I can compare it and transfer it into our lives, and we will do that today. There are three different kinds of examples I like to share with you. First, you may know these three dots in a sentence that is not ended. It's just ended with these three dots. And the author he really likes to um, give the chance to the reader to ponder or to reflect, thinking of what does the author actually mean by this. And when we transfer it to our lives, it can be that Jesus really likes to engage your attention or that he likes to um, raise a hunger generate a hunger in you for more of him. So next time, if you feel this quietness, if you feel this silence in unanswered prayer, why don't you spend extra time with your Jesus? Because he's longing for that. These three dots at the end of a sentence and not finishing it with words means they want to bring us to reflect and think of what is the meaning? What is the really meaning about it? This is the first example. The second example is when you are sitting at the computer, you like to save a file, then it says save as, and then follow these three dots. You can choose where to save your file. I mean, if we transfer it into our lives, you can think of where do I save this situation, safe as maybe impatient or safe as doubt, safe as desperation. Or you can save this also as trust. I read in a book this simple sentence, if 
we don't know how this situation will end. And if we see not through it, what we can do is save as trust. That means we can say, God, I trust in you. Even nothing changes from the outside. I trust in you. And I experienced in my own life that something changes. It changes my attitude of demanding, of feeling like I have a right that God is answering my prayer right now in that way. I let go of it. And instead, I receive an attitude of, of receiving. I say with other words to God, God, you have your own way. I cannot work for it to receive an answer to the prayer. I can do nothing but just be there and say, you are a God of kindness and you can give it to me. And so I, am, I, I have an attitude of receiving. This is changing something inside of me and makes a difference how it appears from the outside. The third point is um, we may see these three dots in a quote and this means that it's reduced to the essential. Just said what is really needed to say. And for us, transfer, it means that God likes to write the own story with you, a really unique personal story with your own life. Maybe you cannot read that part in any quote, maybe not in any book, but God just likes to do it with your own, with, with yourself, your own unique personal story with himself. And I like to read you a Bible verse from Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. It says, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither your nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So whenever you feel these three dots in your life, any of these examples, you may transfer into your life and think, okay, this God really is longing for an intimate relationship with me. And I brought you a picture from Penguin because when I, whenever I read this Bible verse, it reminds me of the penguin. The mommy and daddy penguin, they're feeding their little ones by chewing the fish and making a juice. And then the, the little penguin sticks his peak in the mouth of the parents and sucks that, that juice out. How intimate is that? And the same intimate relationship God is longing for you and for me. Thank you. Amazing. Grammar, grammar. My next point is understands God's grammar. That's, that's a, a point. Because a guy said, never make a dot in your life where God makes a comma. Never make a comma where God makes a dot. Because dot and comma, it's not the same. It's a small, tiny little difference, but a huge, huge impact. I want to read you an amazing Bible verse if you are loving the Bible. In the Bible, there are so many small details, but it's a broad, broad meaning. And this is an amazing Bible verse. In John chapter 11, verse 21 and 22. There's a story about Lazarus. A guy died for four days, and uh, they were so, so disappointed. 
And usually we tell about Martha and Mary, Mary, and Mary, she's the good girl because she's on the feet of Jesus, and Martha, she's the bad girl because she's complaining, she works too much. But here, I want to bring you Martha because I'm a Martha fan. I bring you Martha in a new light. What she's doing here is flipping awesome. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Here are two sentences. And these two sentences are bind together in the word, but. You know how many times you're hearing from people, I believe in God, but. It's not so easy. Or I believe in miracles, but. I prayed for six years. I believe that God has the best woman in store for me, but all my friends took always the best women. You know the but? The but is so strong in our lives. Here comes the but. And if you read this Bible text carefully, Martha doesn't make a dot. There is actually a comma. Comma, but it's not finished. And here is the second word of our underline. But even now, even now, you can bring in the next one. Even now, that even, I know that even now, she said, even if Lazarus is dead for four days, even, this is a fact, even now, I believe that God can do a miracle. Just pause for a moment. So many times we read this Bible text. Too many times you experience something, you make a dot. Dot means that's it, boom. A comma means the story goes on. When I'm reading this Bible text, it reminds me about my own dad. I buried my dad many, many years ago. If you bury your father or your mother or your brother or your sister, that's not easy, I tell you something. It's not easy. But here in this text, the Bible is saying Lazarus was dead for four days. He started to stink. He was dead. Just think about it for a moment. He's dead. They invited all their friends. They made all the preparation for the funeral. They invited the whole city. Everybody was there. They were crying. They were mourning. They were with all the feelings somewhere. The situation where Martha was was not such a cool, easy peasy situation. It was a tough situation. And in this situation where the word impossible comes, because it stings, Lazarus stings, it's dead for four days. Bartha has two levels of faith. I want to go through this. The first level is, she said, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. This is like the preventive faith. They say, if you are here, my brother will live. Let's think for a moment how many times we're praying this kind of prayer. And in this text, the Bible doesn't say where there's sin in the life of Lazarus or they had not enough faith or whatever that Jesus was not here because we believe if Jesus is right there, miracles will take place. Here's the first question mark. Why has Lazarus died? The Bible says nothing about why. But she's saying, if you are here, if you're protecting me and my brother, nothing would ever happen. Let's be honest, this is the most prayer, prayer in our lives, that God is protecting us. We try to protect 
our family, my wife, my business, is everything. This is what we're praying every morning. You're praying, oh, God, bless me when I drive to work. God, bless my company. When I'm flying, God, bless the pilot. Yeah, bless him. Bless the, 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 the taxi driver. Or you, we, we pray that God is blessing them, right? But the point is this, you cannot, if, even if you're praying this prayer, you, you cannot be sure that nothing will happen. Because when our youngest son, I will never forget it. I, I'm not crying so much. I'm only crying if it's really necessary. Because I'm a Swiss guy. We're solid. Neutral. I'm not, I'm not from South America. I'm, I'm a Swiss guy. <laughs> I was saying that. Um, um, you know, and my, and my, my, that was the first day they went to ch the uh, kindergarten. And that's only about the way of 200, 300 meters. The first 200 meters, there were no cars. Just bikes and the like 100 meter on the street, where maybe every 10 minutes comes a car. It's a 30 zone where you can drive really slowly. And when I said to my boy, okay, that's the last 100 meters, I said, Simon, I let you go. I cannot protect yourself anymore. Of course, I'm praying every day that God is protecting you. But still, if I'm praying this, I have to trust that God's way are the best way. I have to let him go. And Mary is saying here, even if I'm praying the protective prayer, I cannot protect every single detail in their lives. But that's not the flipping point in this Bible text. The next one. Preventive faith. Preventive faith is also something what I pray as a pastor. You know, maybe you're here in the cinema and maybe you, you, you're new here and some people, were, you were in ICF by, by the mark. We're going from building to building like a gypsy church. And I want to tell you a story, and it's for me an amazing story about our church, because three, uh, three and a half years ago, or four years ago, we were able to um, move into the Güterbahnhof. It's very close by the mark, it's just over the bridge on the other side. We moved in, we built it for three months, we changed everything, and we invested about 800,000 Swiss francs. And the government and the police department, everybody said, oh, yeah, you have, of course, like a one-year contract but I tell you you can stay at least for five years and our fate was and our plan was we are there for four years and then we're moving straight to the new building that's why we invested so much money and we built it for dream of this was our idea I want to show you some picture if you're here new this is like the event hall of the Güterbahnhof, a big LED wall amazing black nice huge foyer the foyer was so big you can uh, even hide yourself, hide and seek. Um, we had a, a nice room for the children ministry, for the Zwansker, big, big, small venue. And we had like amazing children rooms with, with a small soccer field and, and everything. And the best thing was we had a parking. You could park your car in front of the church. Yeah. This was the first time I saw what kind of a cars my church has. Yeah. I was surprised about how much money is in our church. Yeah. I said, oh, from now on, there's more to give. Um, this was an amazing time. We grew from Sunday to Sunday. You could see we growing very, very fast. And after one year and three months, they said to us, you have to go out. What is the process? Why I'm telling this story is like a dream is like collapsing in one moment. Like a dream broke in 1,000 pieces. Why I'm telling this? I prayed the preventive prayers every day. God protect us. God, you can do everything that you will stay here for the next five years. 
When they kicked out, some people from the church asked me, Leo, are you really sure that moving into the Güterbahnhof is the will from God? I said, yeah, that's a good question. Oh, yeah. I'm not waking up in the morning and saying, oh, God, I'm doing exactly the opposite of you. I want to prove you that I'm right and you're wrong. As a Christian, you have only one desire. You want to fulfill the will of God. And always if something going wrong, that means you have done something wrong in terms of the will of God. That's not true, even not in the Bible. Sometimes they're doing exactly what God is saying and they were not successful. We're saying success means the will of God. You're not successful, that means you have to do something wrong. It's not always true. Sorry to say that. It's not always true. It's too easy to say that. And other people say, have you ever prayed that the contract goes on? I said, oh, that's a good question. Can you imagine how many times I was on my knees, I was seeking God and asking God and speaking to God? Of course we prayed. Of course we asked for the will of God. But sometimes... Even if you're doing the will of God, it's always going smooth and straight. That means that's the moment when you need perseverance, not giving up in terms of your dreams. The second prayer, she prayed. But now I know that even now God will give whatever you ask. This is that's a resurrection faith. She said, I believe there is a but at no, not a, not a, there's not a dot, there's a comma. I believe even when Lazarus is thinking he's dead for four days, even when everybody's saying it's impossible, I believe, Martha said, that you can resurrect Lazarus from the dead. And then Jesus said, Lazarus, comfort. After four days, he came out of the grave. Do you have the resurrection faith that something is broke, something is going the opposite way, something it doesn't look so promised, so that you still believe that God can do out of the blue an amazing miracle? Do you believe that? Preventing faith is a small level, but resurrection faith is another level. When we moved out of Güterbahnhof to Mark, back to the Mark and now to the, in the cinema, in all the years, in all the months, I have never given up the dream that the Güterbahnhof was a glimpse of the promises of the dream we had in terms of a building. And I always said that I know there comes a time when God is resurrection, the Güterbahnhof in a new level. And now we're moving to the event park in one year and two months. And that's the event park for those that are new here. It's a building cost 40 millions to build. Have you, have you knew that, that we're not paying for that building? There are some investors, seven or eight investors, they invest in this building and we can move in and just paying rent. But they have a, a desire for us. I told this story in America, say, no way. There are people, you, know, you didn't went to the church and ask the church for money for the building. No. Some people, they buy the land, they build the building. We just have to collect 4.9 million. They said, that's an amazing story. Don't ever preach about that in America. You destroy every church. Because this is an amazing story. You know why? We had the resurrection faith. That even if something dead, God can resurrect our building into something bigger. Perseverance is the key. I want to close with the last small point. Pray promise-oriented. In 1 Kings 18, verse 42, let's see the, the, the prayer style of Elijah. I like it. Elijah climbed on the top of the Carmel 
bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Faith means I do not look with my physical eyes what's going on. I close my eyes, put my face between my legs and I believe that the, that the miracle takes place in the unseen world. It just look. It didn't. It didn't look once on the sky. He closed his eye as a position of perseverance. I believe. And now comes the point. There are two uh, different words in the Bible: chrono and kairos. Chrono and kairos is not the same. Chronos means like chronologisch. That means it's like a pattern, and that's the picture we have. Our lives, and we say, okay, I'm 18 years old, and I study, then I'm going to the Swiss army, then I'm going to see the world, and then I got married, then I have kids, then I start a company, and then attending a church. Yeah. It's like a pattern. That's the most Swiss people, they like to plan their life. It's like chrono. It's also got involved. But kairos means a different league. That's kairos. You have no, you sometimes you in, in a big, big, Bad season of life, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, God is doing a miracle. That's why Elijah never looked up, because he had this picture in his mind. Say, so, oh, I don't want to see my life. <laughs> Kairos means God can do out of the blue a miracle. But only if you perseverance, you don't give up, you hold in, you lead in, and even if an alien life of your life dead, like Lazarus, I believe the resurrection power that God can do out of the blue, resurrect this situation, my marriage, my finances, my health, my small group, my church, whatever area you have, into an amazing miracle, but only for those, they hold in, they lean in, they believe that God will do an amazing miracle.